Hello, this is Taboo Winslow Morris, sole owner and founder of Triumphant Athletic Agency. Let's play ball and win. Thank you for tuning in today um, to my podcast, Confronting Goliath, a genuine discussion with and for genuine folk. Today, our genuine discussion is about finding the right vehicle, new or used, with the right dealership and the right salesperson. There are many factors that go into finding the right fit. This can become a galala for you if you are not educated and prepared. I can tell you this for a fact because it was a galala for me when I went to purchase my new car after owning my car, um, my, Toyota, my Toyota Camry in 2002, and I went to purchase a new car in 2019. Today, my quest, my guest is Ray Moore, my salesman that helped me during that time frame. Do you know today there is a severe decline, including of a massive fall, massive fall in, in September of sales due to the ongoing shortage of semiconductor chips for new vehicles? That was um, from CNBC in 2020. The entire U.S. auto industry, including the Asian manufacturers, which were doing a bit better than their domestic counterparts until recently is in an incredible volatile position right now and we're and we are seeing inflated retail prices across the board that is from Cardwell executive director of insights at Edmonds Cox analysts predict vehicle supply will improve mildly in the fourth quarter and continue to improve throughout 2022 but won't return to normal until 2023. If ever, automakers have promised to keep leaner inventories in the future to boost vehicle profits and and prices, which have been a a record levels. J.D. Power expects average transaction prices will reach a record of $42,802 in September, making the fourth consecutive month over $40,000. This mismatch between strong consumer demand and constrained inventory is leading to higher vehicle prices, said Thomas King, president of the Data and Analytics Division at J.D. Power. And this was taken from CNN on 12-2021. There also is interesting that we don't have too many Black-owned dealerships. The only two Black-owned auto dealerships that have ever broken a million-dollar barrier in sales for annual sales for a year as of January, as of July 25, 2017, was Bob Johnson, founder of RLJ Matlarty Landers Automatic Automotive Holdings, and Gregory Jackson, founder of Prestige Automotive Group, are the only two Black-owned auto dealerships that have ever generated more than $1 billion in annual sales. Jackson told Black Enterprise that he had always focused on customer service and sales performance to enable his dealership to zoom past the competition. He started out with a small dealership in 1993 using $150,000 of his life savings and eventually expanding to 13 outlets. His hard work over more than 12 years finally paid off. Bob Johnson 
best known as the founder of BET, an urban movie channel, has also reached the billion dollar milestone in the auto industry. In 2011, his Texas and Arkansas-based dealership, RLJ McCartney, Landers Automotive Holdings generated revenues of $1.1 billion. Now, that was taken from blackbusiness.com on 12-2-2021. I want to welcome my guest, Mr. Ray, and thank you for participating with me on the Confronting Goliath podcast. Thank you for having me. What is your name and your occupation, and how long have you been in the industry, Ray? (laughs) Okay, well, I'm known as Ray Moore. I'm a sales and leasing consultant at JBA Infinity, and I've been in the car business, I guess, in a total of about maybe 13 years. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad. Most people don't last that long in the car industry. Can you tell me when is the best time of year to purchase a vehicle? Well, it really depends on what type of vehicle that you're looking for. Um, when you, if you're looking at, um, let's just say, um, more of your high-end automobiles, there really isn't necessarily a best time of year to purchase a high-end automobile. Uh, the manufacturers, of your Mercedes, Infinities, BMWs, Audis, um, even uh, Land Land Rovers, they kind of think that if you want a luxury vehicle, it doesn't matter, you know, when you buy it. Um, there are not going to be many discounts on those vehicles anyway. Normally, with your domestic uh, manufacturers, or let's say your um, everyday type vehicles. Um, then you can usually catch a, a better uh, deal, at least during normal times, not considering this uh, this COVID period, but during normal times, uh, maybe towards the end of the month or the end of the year. Okay, why is that? Well, it's just like any other um, retail business. Uh, it's about reaching numbers. So as, as any individual store would like to reach their numbers, at the end of the month, they're more likely to give you better bargains. So if you're looking for a Honda or a Camry or uh, you know, a vehicle such as that, you'll probably get a better deal at the end of the month or the end of the year. It's all about numbers. It's retail. It's, it's retail no matter whether you're selling um, shirts or cars. It's the same concept. Okay, thank you. What advice would you give a new individual who have never purchased a vehicle? Well, um, that depends on the individual. Um, for the most part, um, for everyone, I would make sure that you you know your credit situation before you're looking, um, start looking at cars. Um, your credit plays a very important role in what you're gonna pay for the car in the long run if you're financing it. Um, secondly, um, know what type of vehicle that you, you need. Um, compared to what you want. You know, there are a lot of people who see, you know, various flashy vehicles and that may be what they want, 
but that might not necessarily um, be what you need. So know your needs and wants before you start looking for a vehicle. Um, know if it's just gonna be for basic transportation, know if you're gonna need a vehicle that's gonna be all wheel drive, depending on where you live or four wheel drive, if you have, uh, you're in a situation or in an area where you get bad weather. So just have those general, um, that general knowledge before you start actually looking for a car in itself. Thank you. That's good advice. I can tell you, I had no clue when I came in to see Ray when I was trading in my, my Toyota. I just needed some wheels because I thought my Toyota was going to die on me any minute. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I agree with him. You really do want to know what your needs are. I did know that I was going to be driving a lot and I didn't want, I was scared of the lease because of that. Okay. What suggestions do you have for someone who has a trade-in? Well, you, you would want to get an idea of if your trade-in is worth before you come into the dealership. You know, as a consumer, you, you, you don't want to be caught um, off guard. Um, you don't necessarily want to get less money for your trade-in that, that you were expecting, but you also have to be realistic. And a lot of folks um, can be a little unrealistic with their trades because they're looking at sentimental value compared to what the, the actual value of the vehicle is. So you may want to go to more than one place to have an estimate done on your vehicle um, so that you have an idea of what the trade-in value is um, before you go into a dealership and, 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 and you're actually ready to purchase. Now, is there a minimum um, legal amount for a trade-in? No, it's is there's nothing that's um, in the in the law that states that you have to that a dealership has to give you X amount of money for a vehicle. Um, as a consumer or as a person who owns that vehicle, you don't necessarily even have to trade it in. You may decide to sell it on your own if you think you're going to get more money that way. Um, but no, there's no limit as to or no minimum amount that a dealer has to offer you for your car. Thank you. What advice for for an individual who doesn't have a trade-in and isn't and it isn't their first car purchase? Um, well, that's that's pretty general. Um, so you're saying um, as far as uh, the payments? What do you mean? I had a car before. I sold my car. Um, mm -hmm. I was living in New York and I didn't I didn't need a car. I moved to, I relocated for my job here in Maryland, and now I need, I need wheels. And okay. I haven't had a car note in 10, 15 years. So what, is it, the, is it the same for me? I mean, what would my history say to you guys? How would you help me? Well, that's all based on what, what you want and what you need. Once again, it's, you're the consumer. So when you come into the dealership, you should have an idea of your situation your needs, your wants, how much you want to spend on a vehicle. So it actually helps the salesperson and the, and the people that are trying to sell you a car if they have that information. And, and it's just going to come through you know, normal conversation. Um, it's, it's going to be difficult for you as a purchaser if you don't have an idea of what you want and what you want to spend when you walk in the door. You'll wind up trying to look at 10 or 12 different vehicles, not having an idea of what, you know, uh, what you want your payment to be. Um, 
that's why if you have that information when you come in, it's going to make the process a lot faster, whether you purchase a vehicle at that dealership or you don't purchase a vehicle at that dealership. So it totally depends on the customer. If you're just trying to pick up a vehicle, say your scenario of moving down here from New York to Baltimore, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, is this a daily commuter? Do you put a lot of miles on the car? Do you need a car that that gets great gas mileage? Are you not concerned about a car that gets great gas mileage and you just want one to be comfortable in when you go out because you only drive 10 minutes back and forth to work? All these things you need to consider before you come into the dealership. That way, when you give that information to the salesperson that's trying to help you, it narrows down uh, and takes away a lot of the other options. You know. If, I know what you're looking for. If you start looking at a, a $75,000 SUV, but you don't need that, then I'm going to try to steer you away from that. I'm going to try to steer you towards what you're, you're telling me that you want and what you need. Thank you. Is there a limit on what brand vehicle an individual can come to you to purchase a JBA? Um. No, is there's there's really no limit. Um, reason being is, um, although we are an Infinity dealership, that simply means that all of our new cars are going to be Infinity vehicles. Um, anything that's on my pre-owned lot, it could be any type of vehicle. It could be a Ford. It could be a Mercedes. It could be a Honda, because we accept trade-ins. Uh, not only do we accept trade-ins, but we also purchase vehicles at auction. So um, you've been to our dealership and, and every car dealership is the same way. They sell, whether it's a Honda dealership, they have new Hondas. But when people trade in cars, those cars become property of that dealership, which they can all then sell. So on that Honda lot, they'll have new Hondas, but in their pre-owned vehicles, they may have Hondas and Chevys and Fords and everything else. So it just depends on what I have in my pre-owned inventory. So we're not limited to just selling Infinities. We're limited to selling new Infinities. But as far as other uh, name brands, we carry them as well on our pre-owned lot. Okay. If someone has an idea of what they want, and um, can they come to you if it's not an Infinity and see if you can get that car for them if it's not an Infinity? Well, you'll, you'll have a lot less chance of us getting that car if okay. it's not an Infiniti. Um, you know, if you're looking for a Mercedes uh, what, pre-owned, you're probably going to have a lot more luck and a lot more cars to choose from if you go to the Mercedes dealership. Okay, that's what I needed to know. Should an individual service their car from the dealership in which it is purchased or just rely, or just, um, rely on a reliable mechanic and why? Uh, that totally depends on, to me, the, the value of the car, um, how easy or not easy it is to maintain. Um, some cars are, are fairly easy to work on and most mechanics can, uh, do the general maintenance on those vehicles. And of course, if you have something that's extremely complicated, you, you know, your, your everyday mechanics not going to be able to do it anyway. Um, but I've always, um, I always tell customers, um, if I'm going to own an Infinity, I'm going to have Infinity mechanics look at it every day that I have to take it to service. Um, these guys see these cars every day. They know all the little 
uh, ins and outs of the vehicle. Uh, if they hear a certain sound, they I have an idea of what it is already because they're, they're certified with those vehicles. Um, if I have a Mercedes, I'm going to take it to Mercedes. If I have a Cadillac, I'm going to take it to Cadillac. Um, if you don't want to pay that type of money because service done at a dealership is going to be higher than someone else doing it in their own mechanic shop in general, that's just how it goes. Um, if you don't want to pay for you know, the service at the dealership, then yeah, and you, you, you have to take to someone else, then, then so be it. But yes, in general, if you have a, a Ford, take it to Ford. If you have a Chevy, take it to Chevy. Now, I've always been told that it's best to have the dealership work on your car when your car is under warranty, because if they put a non-warranty part on something that is under warranty, and if something happens, the warranty won't cover it. That's that's true. And and if you take it to the dealership, they're not going to put a non-warranty part on it. They're going to they're going to put whatever parts that are recommended by that manufacturer. So um, yeah, and that's another reason to take your car to you know whatever manufacturer uh, that the vehicle is. Um, they're not going to put um, aftermarket parts on your vehicle. Thank you. How did you manage during COVID and did it negatively impact your sales and how? Well, it, well, just like anything else, as far as COVID um, that took place here in the United States, um, once people had an idea of how they personally wanted to deal with things, then, um, then things got a little better. Now we're nowhere near where we were as far as the numbers uh, vehicles sold because like you mentioned earlier, there are just not that many new cars out there. But um, when COVID first hit, um, we probably went about a month or so, you know, once everyone was aware of COVID, that we were lucky to see one person come in the dealership during the day because everyone was afraid. They, no one knew what to do. You know, <clears throat> there were so many different things coming um, at us as far as, you know, how you could get COVID um, true and false. So people were afraid. So we basically, uh, our dealership actually um, closed at five o'clock every day. Um, there were some dealerships in the area that were closed for about a week or so. Our service department um, went to limited hours because nobody really knew what to do. So yes, sales were absolutely crushed um when the um when this thing actually first hit and people became aware of how uh dangerous it was eventually as people started masking up and and um not touching things and and and, and uh retail businesses uh, realized that they had to disinfect wipe down this on a regular basis then business began to pick up thank you I was one of your covert sales. <laughs> so I, I appreciate the fact that I could get in and get my car traded and I was happy. <laughs> how did COVID impact how you will do what you do differently going forward? Um, like a lesson to learn from COVID. Well, as far as me personally, um, it makes you a lot more aware of, um, I guess you could say, how people react to you. Um, for example, um, 
there's some places that you go now that they're, they're not concerned about masks. And, and I'm a guy who plays golf on, you know, for fun. And there's some areas where you go in and nobody wears a mask. But in all actuality, I find that people are a lot more relieved when I approach them and I have my mask on. I find that they're a lot more comfortable when they walk in my office and they see that there is hand sanitizer available for them to use as much as they want to. Um, it makes them feel a little more comfortable and I, and I, and I would assume, uh, and a couple of people have told me, they, they like the idea that I'm looking out for them when they come in. I don't assume that um, they're, they're afraid of COVID or not afraid of COVID, but I do make sure that they, they see that I'm there, yes, to do business, but also I'm gonna be considerate of your safety. Thank you. I have a question for you. Do, have you been um, vaccinated totally and did you get the booster? Uh, oh yes, I've been vaccinated. Um, I'm beginning my booster shot probably after January, um, but there's, there's, there would be no way that I could um, do business with confidence and come home to my family, knowing that I I deal with different people every day and not protect myself. But that's that's my own personal decision. Uh, I'm not saying that you know that everyone should should do what I did or you should get vaccinated or you should get a booster. You know, I that's just how I feel. Um, and yes, there there we're going through this new wave again. And I'm pretty sure there'll be more people that'll go out and, and get vaccinated and people will start to get their booster shots. But um, just based on how I feel about the situation and knowing the business that I'm in, um, I just felt as though I, I needed to get my vaccination. Understood. I feel the same way. I've gotten my booster already. So I was glad I didn't have any any side effects from it. Mm-hmm. What recommends, recommendations would you give to your younger self? Uh, well, that's a tough question because I've kind of lived in a way that I don't try to go back and say what I should or should not have done. Uh, living in the past doesn't really help me. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are always little things that you you say you, you wish you could have done or I wish I could have, you know, said or et cetera, et cetera. But, but if I lived in with that frame of mind, then it would be hard for me to live in the present and, and, and much more difficult for me to try to build a future. Okay. What, what recommendation would you give to someone that may be thinking about changing their career and coming into this industry or a just somebody that just graduated from high school and said, or college and said, I'm going to try doing auto sales. What suggestion would you give them? Well, um, I guess the first thing I would tell them is that um, it's not a business where you're going to hit the ground running. Um, it takes time uh, to build confidence, to build clientele, um, to learn product. Uh, and, and, but it is, it is a very rewarding career if you do it right. You know, there are a couple ways that you can do it. You know, um, 
for me, um, where I am now, I decided to stay at that dealership. I like the dealership is is very well recommended. Um, we have the top service department in the country. Uh, so I felt as though in the long run, if I could stay there and build my clientele, I could be very comfortable there. And so far it's worked out. Um, you also have guys in the business that jump around from dealership to dealership, just following wherever the trend is. And for some of those people, it's, it's worked out. But you just got to realize that it's, it's not going to be, it's almost like selling houses. You have to build clientele. You have to learn. It takes time. And, you know, if you stick with it, then you'll eventually get there. Thank you. Thank you, Ray, for coming on to my podcast today and helping us understand a little bit more about the the car industry and what we're supposed to do and not do when we're ready to purchase a car. Please become a listener or a listener supporter of mine. And tune in next time to you guys. Tune in again to listen to a genuine discussion with some genuine folk. Let's play ball and win. This is Taboo Winslow Mar, sole owner and founder of Triumphant Athletic Agency. Thank you once again, Ray. This is Ray Moore. Ray, can you please um, let my listeners know how they can get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I am at JBA Infinity in Ellicott City, Maryland. Um, my email there is R-M-O-O-R-E at jbaauto.com. Can you say that once again so that if someone had to go and get a pencil, we'll give them a little time to go get that pencil or pen so they can drop down your information? Because I can tell you from from experience, I've purchased two cars from JBA and Ray was my salesperson for both cars. And I am extremely pleased with what I've been dealing with. And every time I go into the service department, I can honestly say that they really do a good job there. So I do know why they are number one. So once again, Ray, can you please provide that information to my listeners? Once again, I am at JBA Auto. I'm sorry. (laughs) I am at JBA Infinity, located at 8431 Baltimore National Pike in Ellicott City, Maryland. My email is rmoore at jbaauto.com. Thanks once again, Ray, for joining my podcast today. Don't forget, guys, tune in the next time and be a listener supporter. This is Taboo Winslow Morris, sole owner and founder of Triumphant Athletic Agency. Let's play ball and win. Have a good evening.